0: That's what he said. That's baby. what he let's, said.
1: Our boy, your your boy.
0: Yes. Cashman's let, let, let's talk about Cashman's boy, Cashman's
1: comments about Stanton's injuries. We have so, the
0: Yeah, I got the quote here. He said, he said, we try to limit the time he's down, talking about Giancarlo. But I'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's not. He's going to wind up getting hurt again more likely than not because it seems to be part of his game. Kratzy, I see on your face how upset you are. But at this at the same time, let, let's look at both sides here. Okay. Let's look at all right, sternness, a little arrogance, a little is that a little attack on somebody? Okay. And then on the other side, is there a method to his madness? What
1: do you think? I don't think it's a predetermined thing. I don't think it's a predetermined thing. I think there's a level of arrogance for all general managers. Mm-hmm. I think. It is not his place to be friends with Giancarlo Stanton. Of course. But I also think, is he wrong?
2: Joel Wolf, who represents Giancarlo Stanton and Yamamoto, who's one of the (laughs) top free agent pitchers available. I feel like that's important context given the response here. Joel Wolf replied to Ken Rosenthal when he asked him about the comments from. Yankees jam Brian Cashman on Giancarlo. That was just read by our boys Kratz and Todd. Joel said, I read the context of the entire interview. I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you've got to be made of Teflon, <laughs> both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. <laughs> a little cryptic there. What do we think? Listen,
0: I was my and listen, this is has it's totally it's relevant. But at the same time, when I was raised, if I was doing something in sports, say, you know, I wasn't hustling, I wasn't doing anything. My dad would call me out. Right. He would call me out. He would after the game, nothing during the game. He wouldn't he wouldn't try and berate me or embarrass me. But, yo, he's like, where are you at, dude? Like, what's going on here? Like, I think. Part of what this is, I think there's a bunch of things towards this whole thing, but I think part of it is he's trying to change it a little bit. Like, hey, listen, you know, I'm calling you out here a little bit. You know, you either step up or shut up time. And that's that's what I look at part of it as. I think there is a little like, man, this is, you know, this guy's talking to me like this is crazy. Cause the internet nowadays, there's gonna be everybody's gonna clap back anything you say. And and I think people understand that. And I think you can't get away with anything. I think maybe people are like oh man they, they took it out of context it's now i i think part of what he's trying to do cash is trying to change the narrative man they haven't been doing well all right maybe i'm gonna call this guy out because he's a performer and he's a leader and he's somebody like that and he thinks he could take it maybe that's part of it but there's also other things to it as well it's tough to hear if i'm junk carlo that's tough to hear
2: i get publicly it. from your gm publicly from you that, that's tough have I, you, I have I, you seen that before have you guys seen this you seen anyone talk like this my, about my a player is, who's under what, contract? What is
3: Brian Cashman doing? Yeah. Why? Like no. the interview he did the other day, I mean, we talked about that where he's like, we're fucking good. Now he's calling out players. Like he's almost like publicly shaming players. I've never heard a GM say, well, he's going to get hurt. Like, yeah, if you no. trade him or he, get, he goes, someone goes away. Like I could see this with Donaldson, right? Donaldson left. He was hurt, but then he was taking BP like three days later. And then they re- they send him to Milwaukee. They release him. He signs to Milwaukee. Then you could be like, okay, he's always hurt. He didn't perform. If if Donaldson fired at the Yankees, but Stanton's been a model citizen with the Yankees. He's yeah. tri- not like he wants to be hurt. He's trying to play. It's just weird to me that all of a sudden Brian Cashman's like, well, he's going to get hurt, so we might as well just bank
2: on it. How about you figure out your training staff? How <laughs> about you figure a way out a way to keep him healthy? Didn't he just defend his analytics department to death, and then he just threw? <laughs> Giancarlo under the bus. He kind of threw Judge under the bus, too. He did. I'm sorry. There's something else going on, man. There's something else. Clearly, some people are like, is he quiet quitting the job? Because he kind of threw Judge under the bus. Judge said, we got to make some changes. Kratz, help me here. Judge said, we got to make some changes, okay? What happens? They talked to Cash the other day, paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close here. He essentially said, oh, yeah, he wanted to talk about batting average and RBIs, whatever. Like, Do you think that's all Judge talked to him about? I think he's. I think he's pretty deep. I think he's got a pretty good gauge on how this sport works. You think he just sat down and said batting average and RBIs? Like, I felt like that was a little bit of a roast on the captain. So I don't know. The comments are getting. They're fun to cover, but I've never seen shit like this before. Yeah,
1: because in a big city, this is the this is the market that everybody is watching. Everybody is looking, and this is is this not what we want? Is this not what we're looking for? Kind of like Gladiator, are you not entertained? Like he's coming out and saying the things that maybe he's trying to get ahead of narratives. I don't agree with calling out G in this situation. I think the whole judge thing where you're sitting there going, you know, you don't want to hear everything that judge said. You don't want to hear that, you know, he basically just surmised everything, which I don't think anybody's going to sit there and go, Oh, yeah, okay, I want to hear more about what Judge said. Because he was already foaming at the mouth, wanting to talk about other stuff. I love this. I I love it. I don't love it for G, because nobody is shamed into not getting hurt. You are not sitting there going, Hey, we got to really motivate G, because, you know, he clearly does nothing, and that's why he gets hurt. No, no, that is not... That is not the reason he did this. That is not. If it is the reason he did it, then I have, I'm, completely off on my thinking. But I have. It is. It is mind boggling to be, but boy, is it exciting to watch.
3: Yeah, but why not have this conversation behind closed doors? Why do we go public with this? Like I, you know, if you whatever you want to use motivation, you want to do whatever you want. But as you guys know, you played like publicly shaming a guy doesn't do anything but piss the guys off and then and i'm assuming again i'm not in that clubhouse, but i'm assuming people look at john carlos like okay that that guy's a dude he's one of our leaders he's been here a while he's been through some ups he's been through some downs guy's got an mvp on his fucking mantle like why are we publicly shaming him as the gm and the and brian cashman like you can say things but you don't have to publicly call guys out by name and if A reporter asked him, you know, what's going on with Stanton? you plan on him getting hurt? You could be like, hey, we're working to try to make him not get hurt, right? You can say it a different way. You don't have to say it like –
2: Look it, he's hurt. Yeah,
3: (laughs) like, all right, we're only counting on him for 80 games this year because we know he's going to miss 82 other games because of some strange injury. It just – it's such an odd way to go about what he's doing in this last week, including the GM meetings, has just been so out of character. Forget for Brian Cashman for pretty much any GM in baseball history to do what he's doing. I mean, he's taking shots at everybody at this point. I mean, he's taking shots at reporters. He's taking shots at this. I mean, I heard there was, you know, there's a lot going on there. And, you know, we saw Joel Sherman and get into it with him on that tape from last week, but, like, I don't know. Maybe you all have seen GMs do this before. I've never (laughs) seen a GM go public like this on one of their best players and the media and everyone else at the same time.
2: So let's bring in Ken then, Ken Rosenthal with us. And he got that note from uh, Agent Joel Wolf, who works at Wasserman and represents Giancarlo Stanton and some other big names like Yamamoto, like I mentioned. Ken, let's get right into it. Were you surprised to see those comments after the tirade the other day? And what did you think of the response that Joel sent to you?
4: I was surprised by the comments, yes, by Cashman. And I was surprised by Joel Wolf's response. Frankly, Joel Wolf is a guy who is usually very reserved and does not say anything that makes waves in general. It's very rare for him to have a response like that. But clearly he felt he needed to defend his client and step up and say something. Now, it doesn't mean the Yankees are out on Yamamoto. If the Yankees offer the most money on Yamamoto, they're getting Yamamoto. But clearly Joel Wolf in this case wanted to send a message. And as for Cashman's comments, I agree with what you guys are saying that it is extremely unusual for a GM to take that forward and approach with a player. And it's also really unusual for a GM to talk about a player who is injured in that fashion. One of the first lessons I learned doing this job, and this goes back to the late 80s, and Tim Kirkchen taught me this, is that. Injuries are very difficult to question. You don't know what's going on in a player's head or his body, and you question a player for being hurt, and you run a real risk. It's kind of unfair to do that. Now, Cashman is not necessarily questioning Stanton. He's merely stating that Stanton does get hurt a lot, and he has an expectation he will get hurt a lot. As Eric said, that is probably an accurate statement. It's just one you don't hear GM say, and it probably should go down as not appropriate, because you cannot talk that way about players, as you guys mentioned. Carlos Stanton does not want to get hurt. He is not out there trying to get hurt. He's had trouble staying healthy. And frankly, the Yankees bear responsibility in that too. They are the team that employs him. They are a team that has had many injury problems, in part because they acquire players who have medical histories but at the same time, it's their job to try to keep him healthy as best they can, and that hasn't happened. We know that hasn't happened. It is a reality. But for a GM to say that about a player, that's unusual, and I would say pretty uncalled for.
0: Hey Ken, uh, do you think Cashman is trying to change his own narrative here a little bit? Do you think he's, you know, he's been getting heat from the fans for a lot of years now? He's getting heat from a lot of people. Uh, He's been getting pressure as well. Do you think he's trying to change his narrative and trying to be a different person in all this? And then my next question would be as well, if you can harp on it, do you think there's a method to his madness, maybe trying to get Giancarlo, you know, to get pissed off enough to waive his no trade clause? Like, talk to me about both those situations.
4: I don't know about changing the narrative. It seems to me Brian Cashman's been doing this job for a quarter century. And he's done it in the most difficult city to do it in, New York, where the attention is greatest. He's been under scrutiny for that quarter century, and he is going to speak his mind. And we've seen that now a few times this offseason. And I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I applaud it because we want more honesty and transparency from the people running the teams. At the same time, I'm not sure if this is motivational. I'm not sure where it's coming from. I do encourage people to read the entire article by Gary Phillips because it's not as negative as it comes across in that one quote from Cashman. I expect him to get hurt because he's got hurt before whatever the quote exactly was. He does give a broader outlook on Stanton. It's not that critical as a whole, but certainly that comment was part of it, and he has to be accountable for that. As for just the idea of making a different aura around the Yankees, changing the narrative. I just don't see Cashman being that Machiavellian or manipulative. I just think he's reacting to what he perceives as a lot of noise. He has taken a lot of criticism. He believes some of it is unfair. And you know what? If a person is getting criticized and they believe it's unfair and they want to say so publicly, we've got no problem with that. That person should be defending himself or herself. Now, Todd, what was the second part of the question? This is why I never asked two-part questions. Yeah, anyway. sorry. No, <laughs> I,
0: I, I, I was wondering, Is there? Do you think he's saying this to try and get Giancarlo to waive his no-trade clause, even though they'd probably eat up most of that money?
4: I don't, and I don't know that it was that premeditated. I wasn't there for that interview. Gary Phillips got the quotes from Brian Cashman. Gary works for the New York Daily News. But even if I was there, I would seriously doubt that Cashman's trying to do that. And if I'm Giancarlo Stanton and you want to trade me, be my guest. Try to trade me and then we'll negotiate the no trade clause if that's the case here, if the Yankees really don't want him. But as you guys mentioned earlier, Giancarlo Stanton obviously has not been on the field enough, obviously can be a very disappointing player at times. But any notion that he doesn't care, that would be mistaken. He cares a lot. He's frustrated by what has happened. He doesn't like what has happened, and he's especially frustrated that he's been unable to avoid one thing after another. So I don't see it necessarily going that way, Todd. I guess it's conceivable that that could be part of Cashman's motivation, but it seems to me he was just more speaking off the cuff. And again, when you read the full context, it's not quite as damning.
2: So Ken, I've got two. I'll I'll just go one at a time here. So (laughs) (laughs) I've learned my lesson right away. So first off, do you think that this particular comment warrants a public apology from Cash? Because a lot of what just was said a few days ago could be debated and was fun to talk about. And he definitely was defensive and there were curse words and he was defending how they're approaching analytics. Okay, fine. A lot of that can be debated. On this front, because you never see it and because it's clearly being taken personal by players slash player's rep, do you expect that... Cash would come out and say, hey, I didn't mean it like that. You know, even if it goes that way, hey, I I actually was trying to be more complimentary and this came out wrong, whatever. I feel like this part warrants that based on how teams usually operate with their players. Do you?
4: I can't read Cashman's mind and I don't know exactly what he's thinking. There are two ways to look at it. Yes, you can make a public apology or more likely, I would think, you just let it rest and you don't go any further. You probably apologize or explain yourself to Giancarlo privately. You could do that. But I don't know that you need to keep the news cycle going because as we know in this day and age, by, I don't know, 6 p.m. tonight, there'll be another story and there'll be other things going on and it will pass. So I would expect maybe a private conversation, an explanation. I don't expect a public apology. Okay.
2: I know the first question Giancarlo is getting asked in spring training if he's not caught up before that.
4: And I guess, Scott, if, if I could forecast that and look ahead to that, my guess would be Giancarlo would say, hey, I understand what Cashman is saying. I don't like being injured. I don't want to be injured. I'm going to do everything I can not to be injured. And that would be that.
2: And he did say towards the end of the season, I know at least one time when I read about his comments you know, to the press saying like, hey, this was a disaster. I'm going to get back in the lab. I got to figure shit out. So I get that. So, So my other question was, do you feel like some of this has to do with the Yankees piling on? I think one of the common narratives for a while now from Yankee fans is Giancarlo—he's holding us back. Uh, that contract—he's it, a little over thirty million. It was—it was, it was backloaded, so you're getting more of the money now than when he first signed with the Marlins. That was also on purpose, most likely. If you read into it, I don't think the Marlins expected to keep him the whole way through. But anyway, there's a billion moves that have been made that have been criticized. You know, Montas and Donaldson and Gallo, whatever. I feel like this is a weak scapegoat. Do you like, this is what Yankee fans have been using acting like, Oh, this is holding back their payroll. Like that's not there. Is there a salary cap or am I missing? No, something? there's no
4: salary cap. Okay. And the Yankees payroll has been quite high. Could it be higher? Yes, it could be higher. And that question persists around Hal Steinbrenner and it's going to persist as long as they kind of operate with certain limits. It seems now Giancarlo Stanton, and whether he should be a scapegoat or not, I don't look at it like that, Scott, and I don't believe fans should either. The way I see this, and what I've written here, is that that move, the move to Stanton, was kind of the first in a series of moves in which they got less athletic and more rigid and station to station and all of that. Now, at the time, Giancarlo Stanton was not this guy. He was coming off an amazing season. He was playing the outfield at a high level, and I remember writing about his outfield play and how good it was. So he was not perceived as non-athletic, but of course he was getting older, and perhaps the Yankees should have had a better vision with regard to that. They made that deal, in my view, because they got a great deal from the Marlins, financially and with players. They didn't give up much, and from that perspective, it should have worked out well for them if Stanton had continued at an MVP level. He did not. But... To scapegoat any one player for a franchise's troubles is always ill-thought, ill-conceived. And instead, you have to look at the broader group of players and group of moves that has happened here. And there have been a number of moves that have not worked out. And that's the one thing last week with Cashman's comments that I thought maybe he could have taken more accountability for. He did say that, yes, we've made some moves that haven't been working out well. But at the same time, we know what the moves have been. We know it's a series of moves. It's not one, it's not two, it's five, six, seven. And that's the area where maybe in my view, he could have said, hey, I get it. And he kind of did this, but that's the part that got a little lost. If, If he could have gone farther or would have gone farther, maybe it would have been better received.
1: Let's push to the Braves here. You wrote in your article about how the Braves don't have anybody over $22 million. But it doesn't mean that they're not willing to go over. It's just, matter of fact, nobody's over $22 million. Are they really going to spend? Because if you look at the battery around around their park and everything, yeah, they have tons of money. But are they really going to spend? Or are they going to be a team that's going to, outside of maybe one or two starting pitchers, are they going to just push the market, push the market for other teams to make sure other teams are spending?
4: Eric, I don't know. I can't forecast free agency. I'm not very good at that. No one really is. But they certainly seem willing for the right player to go beyond the $22 million highest salary that they have on the books right now. And those $22 million salaries are for Austin Riley and Matt Olson as part of extensions that they signed. They're not making $22 million yet, but in time that they will. So those were extensions. Free agency obviously is different. They offered Freddie Freeman more than $22 million a year in free agency. And I expect that if they're going to be active for Aaron Nola or Sonny Gray or whoever it might be, they'll be at least in that range, if not above. For Nola, it probably would require them to be above. I had someone in my comments in the under the article, after I wrote that, mention, well, I don't think the... Braves are going to give up two draft picks because they're over the luxury tax, and that's what the penalty would be for any free agent with a qualifying offer. That would be Nola and Gray and all of the top free agents. I understand that logic, but here's the other part of that. They face the loss of Max Freed after next season. Max Freed is entering his walk year, so they need to get an anchor in there, in my opinion. And... As far as the draft picks are concerned, sure, they don't want to lose their second and fifth choices. But if they do lose Max Freed and make him a qualifying offer at the end of next season, they get a pick back. So that kind of mitigates it. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do because they are not a team that has generally been active in free agency. They've been a team that locks up their own players and does a great job of it. So here they are. They're facing a bit of a crossroads here. Potential loss of Freed need for rotation help currently, it all adds up to them going out and getting a starter. Now, it could be through a trade, Corbin Burns, Tyler Glass. Now you name it, or it could be through free agency.
2: All right, Ken, I want to take you to the Oakland A's situation because there was some news late last night from Evan Drellick, your colleague at The Athletic, reporting on teams or owners, I should say, getting some notes from the league that they put together to talk to them about the situation, because they're going to vote, let's say Tuesday on Thursday, I believe is the day, um, at least from the owner side, if they approve the relocation, which as far as I know, still has no relocation fee, which I still haven't really found a good answer on. But anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts overall on what you saw from Evan, which included the fact that he had someone tell him, someone briefed with the situation, said the A's potentials for success there is iffy, but there's no perceived better
4: alternative. Your thoughts? What Evan reported is that the relocation committee's report is done and that most likely it will be unanimously approved. That is what we all expect. And yet there are still obstacles. The teachers union there in Nevada is mounting a challenge legally toward this move and trying to, basically get in the way. So it's not done yet, even if the major league owners vote 30 to nothing, that they approve the relocation of the A's. The question of Las Vegas has been a question since the beginning of this. And it seems to me that if you want to take the worst case view of it, that Las Vegas is a better alternative perhaps than Oakland in the eyes of owners, but it is not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. Now, Oakland people will tell you, and I've written this, they've told me this, that they still are viable and they still should be considered. That's all well and good. The owners and Commissioner Rob Manfred seemingly do not believe that. They do not believe that Oakland is viable. So then you're looking at Vegas. How good a market is Vegas? It remains to be seen. As Evan wrote, the success of that franchise is going to hinge in part on tourism dollars. They're going to need people coming in from other places because the population in Las Vegas is not that great to sustain a Major League team 81 dates a year. Now, my question is, how many people are going to Las Vegas in the summer to watch Major League Baseball? Maybe, maybe they will, but I don't know that it's a certainty. And while this team should be in a better position than it was in Oakland, at least in the view of the owners, I'm not sure how good a position it's actually going to be. And that's been my question with this all along. So why, Ken? Why, why are they in such a rush to make this happen?
3: Why not explore other possibilities in Nashville, which has always been the expansion list? Charlotte's been talked about. There's been a bunch of Portland's been talked about. Why are they in such a rush to go to Las Vegas? If if you read this article, like there's a memo saying, we don't know people are going to watch on TV. We don't know people are going to come to the game. I know people that live in Las Vegas, they don't want the A's. They, they want an expansion team to start their own franchise. They don't want the A's, like, kind of like the Raiders, right? The Raiders, but the, the Vegas people aren't really into the Raiders. It's more people from Oakland and, and other places coming to watch the Raiders. So why are they in such a hurry to make this happen? Why not explore Nashville? Why not explore Portland? Why not explore – I know the Giants will never let it happen in San Jose, but this is just seems like it's being so rushed.
4: I kind of agree with you, AJ, and I'm not sure I understand why this is being accelerated at this rate. Nashville is out because that city, it seems to me, MLB wants to preserve for expansion. Portland, I don't know that that's much of a better market than Las Vegas is. Salt Lake City is now a team or a city that is interested in expansion, and maybe they get a franchise. But Vegas, for whatever reason, seemed to have the deal. And John Fisher, as the A's owner, seem to want that deal. Now, if I'm Rob Manfred and if I'm the major league owners, I'm asking exactly the same questions that you're asking, AJ. But again, they seem to believe that this is the lesser of two evils. And what you're saying, and what I would ask as well is, why not consider more than two evils? And maybe some of those evils wouldn't be evils. I'm not sure of the logic behind that. That's something that we probably should ask once this is announced as approved by the major league owners and Manfred, I presume will hold a news conference at that time.
2: And Ken, we just, we have some video. It looks like, uh, Oakland fans. And yes, even the mayor has still been speaking out that they have pushed significant money aside to be able to make this work. But that seems to be, you know, in the past, but we have apparently there's been like gift boxes that are being sent to owners. And this is apparently, out in Arlington right now at the owners' meetings, so they're still going all out on that front. My one other thing is based off what you just said. If if MLB called Nashville, you know whoever was the leading candidate there to have a team, um, or I guess really it's not a leading candidate it would be the the politicians there or something like, and said, "Hey, this is the only way you're getting a team." Which it felt like that was kind of pushed towards Vegas's way. Like, "Hey, this is how you're going to get a team." Um, Wouldn't they say yes as well if they really want to have a team in their city? Because the one thing that I'm sensing is that they're like, oh, this is easy. We already got the public money approved because Manfred did kind of paraphrase and say, well, if that became an issue, then maybe it would affect what John Fisher's doing. I just think the A's brand has been destroyed. And in Vegas, same thing. I've been there multiple times since this news was announced. Sure, I'm just going up to random people and having conversations. None of them want the a's they all know about the owner how many people know names of owners i'm getting the sense that the brand is really in a bad place
4: i agree with that scott and that's the other part of this that will not come up at the owners meetings what has been done to the A's franchise by john fisher and the diminishment of the brand and all that has happened and the idea that you simply walk into a city and suddenly you're welcomed Oh, it can happen, and it will happen to a certain degree. When Bob Ursay took the Colts to Indianapolis, they welcomed him. But at the same time, how is John Fisher going to operate this franchise once he gets to Las Vegas? To me, that's the biggest question. Is he actually going to spend money? Is he actually going to run the team as a bona fide Major League operation? Or is he going to continue with the kind of payrolls that he's run the last few years? Now, his point of view is, hey, we're going to be able to access a lot more money, we'll have a greater payroll, things are going to be better. I hear that. I understand that. I want to see it. I want actual proof that it's going to happen. And we won't know, and we won't have that proof, of course, until the team moves in. But I'll believe it when I see it, based on his actions the last several years.
0: Now, a little bit to the West, uh, Jim Bowden talked about this uh, the other day, about how the Giants are going to be monster bidders in Shohei Ohtani. I cannot wait to see how this all pans out. Now, my question to you about the whole situation is, are they going to be the only ones? Being, you know, We know about the Dodgers. We know about now the Giants. Are there other teams that are going to be monster bidders as well? And what are you hearing about this so far?
4: Oh, I expect, Todd, there are going to be more than two teams on Shohei Ohtani. And, in fact, I would expect that virtually every large market team will at least check in. Texas is going to be one. The Cubs will be another. The two New York teams, they might not do it, but they'll be in contact with Nezbolelo of CAA. That is Otani's agent. And they're going to at least want to know the price of doing business. Now, in the end, which teams are the heaviest? Jim Bowden doesn't know. I don't know. You guys don't know. No one knows. And we'll see how it all plays out. The one team I expect to be somewhat serious is Texas. Because Texas is coming off a World Series title, they are emboldened by what they've done the past two seasons, or past two off-seasons. Spent $800 million on free agents, and in my view, they're going to keep going. It's a competitive group there. Chris Young is a crazy competitor as their GM, and their owners have clearly been willing to support a big-time payroll, and they're coming off a World Series title, so they're in a good spot from that perspective financially as well. The other teams, Chicago, Cubs, Boston, I expect they'll be in, but I don't know, no one knows what Shohei Ohtani wants. Now, he clearly wants a lot of money. He'll get that from whatever team he signs with. That we know. Geography, I'm sure, would play a part. A team's competitive future would play a part. But the balance of this and what he truly wants, that is not known, and there's going to be a ton of speculation in the next month about this. As we get closer to him signing, and I would suggest people take it with a grain of salt because there's only one guy, Shohei, who really knows what is driving this thing. The Giants. The Giants, if
1: they don't get him, it's this is less about Shohei and more of the Giants. Is this a is this a failure by the Giants? Because they need a star. And if they don't get Shohei, do they then pivot to Another free agent? Because if they don't... Bellinger. Is he enough of a star to shine the star that that the Giants need?
4: I don't know that any team can consider it a failure if they don't sign Shohei Otani. They may make a great bid, and he might simply want to be somewhere else for similar money. I'm not going to look at it like that. Do the Giants need a star, Eric? We all know that. They certainly do. And they thought they were close last year. First with Judge, then with Correa. The Correa thing fell apart. Because of the medical, he had agreed to a deal. He was coming to San Francisco. So, clearly, yes, they are going to be in this game, and they do need some might, some level of stardom, some force in that lineup, and frankly, in their rotation, and just in general, from an entertainment standpoint. One of the problems with the Giants last season, not just their performance, they were a tough watch. All the platooning that they did, they're kind of faceless. It just was a tough thing to see on a daily basis. It really wasn't all that entertaining. So that's why they are shifting directions somewhat. They moved on from Gabe Kapler. They hired Bob Melvin. They're going to try to do some things a little bit differently. But I wouldn't consider it a failure if they don't sign him. If they don't sign Shohei Otani, then the question becomes, okay, what are you going to do? And last year, after they struck out on the two big guys, they made a series of moves. Some worked out better than others. It was Hannaker, It was Conforto. It was a number of others. That can be a way to go, but really, that's a piece being a way to go. And at this point, they want to do a little bit more.
2: Ken, we appreciate it. Busy day and and some trades maybe too. So um, we'll be on the lookout. And and also um, props to you on, on breaking the Murphy news late last night. Was that last night? Where am I? Right? Yep, last night. Murphy <laughs> news last night. I'm like, damn. Yep. There's been a lot of news and there hasn't even been any signings yet. So Ken, we'll be on the lookout for you over the next couple hours.
4: All right, guys, thanks.
2: Thank you, appreciate you. Ken Rosenthal, FT Senior Insider with us. Also, Fair Territory is out there for the world to see. It was released yesterday. It's uh, still quite, quite relevant, so check that out.